What the fuck is up, my people? Fuck! Another fucking dub, man. Such a big dub last night. I mean, sorry that that's a bit too loud, my people. May have fucked up yours a bit if you're listening to me in your headphones, in your car, in your car with your girlfriend, with your mom. They may hate me, be like, who the fuck is that guy getting all lit? We beat the fucking shit out of the Bills. That's what we're all hyped about. I'm going to say it right now, off top, as soon as the episode starts. That was the best Bengals win I've ever seen them have in my life. In my entire life. And I don't want to go as far to say that's the best Bengals win ever. Because obviously I wasn't around to remember those games for fucking 35 years of this team's existence. But that was the best goddamn win I've ever seen this team have. Now, I will say this. I didn't say it was the greatest win I've ever seen the Bengals have. Because I think right now, unequivocally... The greatest win I've seen us have, and we could all probably agree on this, was in the AFC Championship game last year, down 21-3. The, all the ramifications of that, the implications, what we were, what the Chiefs were, everything that led to that, that was the greatest. But I'm talking about best team win. When you add in the context of the implications coming into the game, what this game was for this these teams... Slated to be the game of the year heading into January 2nd. Then the travesty that happened. The travesty that turned into a, a, a blessing. A miracle with DeMar and his recovery. But the implications of that. The unprecedents of that game. Coming into this game. The implications of the Bills being the media darling all offseason. The unequivocal... Um, front runner of the AFC to host in the Super Bowl and to hoist a Lombardi trophy almost uh, unanimous for every single fucking voter this offseason fapping over fucking Josh Allen and the Bills as if the divisional round champions the divisional dynasty led Bills deserved a Super Bowl trophy of the offseason The Bengals were an afterthought. They were the fluky team. The lightning in a bottle. It was cute, but they're the Bengals. The Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. They wanted to shit on the people that been to the fucking AFC Championship four years in a row. Those implications. The implications of getting fucked over by the NFL. Of the NFL giving the good side of the benefit of the doubt to the Ravens, the Bills, and the Chiefs. Except the Bengals. And everywhere you looked, we got the negative side of the benefit of the doubt. You got the teeter-totter concept of the benefit of the doubt. You got the good side and the bad side. Every other team got the good side of it except us. So we had to go to fucking Buffalo. We had to go face the motherfuckers in their home. On their turf. In that fucking snow. When if the Bills, if they would have ever faced the Chiefs, it would have been on a neutral site. We all know the implications of it. Those implications and much more I can add. I think you understand my point now and you're standing behind. It could probably agree. This was the best win you have ever fucking seen this team have. The dominance from the first fucking second that team stepped on that field. Fucking six, seven, eight plays on the first drive. Dominance, dominance, dominance. The O-line, dominant. The defensive line, dominant. Everybody. It, it was... I mean, it was nearly perfect. 
It's nearly perfect. I mean, of course, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I don't hang my hat on this, but the landscape was there. That uh, Jamar's touchdown shoulda counted. You know, of course, shoulda, coulda, woulda. You should be able to get in the fucking end zone when you're on the half-yard line for the Bengals. Um, wait a sec. Did we score a touchdown? I know we scored a touchdown when we ended up getting the... Um, they got the neutral zone infraction, and it was already on like the fucking foot-yard line, so we went to the six-inch-yard line. But I think another drive that we had a turnover or some shit fourth down, and we settled for three instead of seven. So it wasn't completely perfect. But you guys get my point. Just honing in on that win, man. What it meant to us. Why it meant so much to us. Karma's a bitch, ain't it? Karma's a fucking bitch. You know what I say about that? Dear NFL, fuck you. That's what the fuck I say about it. Fuck them all. Fuck Roger Goodell. Fuck all of them, man. For discounting us. Counting us the fuck out. They can all suck a fucking dick. Excuse my French. Don't excuse my fucking French. Y'all know how I talk. I keep that shit belligerent, but fucking real and passionate. It, It was an amazing thing, man. Dominant win. I mean, Joe Burrow is undefeated on the road in the playoffs. Not including the Super Bowl, unfortunately. You guys could consider that, you know, different or the same. Nonetheless, it's dominance, man. I mean, you win by 17 points. You fucking boat raced them. You held an offense that averaged 31 points a game to 10 points. 10 points. This defense keeps their streak alive. I think the third longest streak in NFL history, or fifth, something I heard from Jay Morrison, of the defense getting turnovers in the fourth quarter to seven games, we forced a turnover in the fourth quarter. It's phenomenal. It's fucking phenomenal, man. So, some of the takeaways I took from the game, you know, I kind of touched on a bit of them uh, when I was going on my hype rant there for describing this win and what it meant. Um, Look, we dominated in the trenches. I told y'all. Remember that video I put out? I know every single one of you that listen pay attention to my videos and my stories. You remember that video I put out on Friday or Saturday? I said the media is lying to you. They are lying. They are perpetuating an image that this O-line is going to be the unequivocal detriment and lead to an L for this team against this Bills defense. It was a fucking lie. It was a lie. We didn't, our O-line was never as bad as it was last year at any point, even with these three guys in, okay? Max Sharping started 32 games. His pass block efficiency grade was as high as Alex Kappa's before Kappa came here, but it rose this year because he's a top three, top five right guard in football, a top 10 guard in football that we may be able to get back this week, but that's for a later time. That wasn't fucking Hakeem Adeniji last year in the bowl. Hakeem Adeniji is playing at his natural position at right tackle. That's better than Isaiah Prince last year. Jackson Carmen. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Jonah was our only starter. I mean, shit. That's going to be a fun topic we can have. I'm really not trying. I'm, I'm not getting blown away by the gust of the wind and spur of the moment. But I know who Jonah Williams is, and I know what I've seen from Jackson Carmen. It's going to be some hype stuff, but I'll leave that for later in the episode. 
Y'all know what I mean, though. The media was completely exaggerating. Shout out to bum-ass Eric Weddle. Um, it is kind of an ironic situation because from what he was standing on, saying the Bengals had zero chance, the premise came from his experience, which his experience was he beat Joe Burrow with Aaron Donald, a top three defensive player of all time on the defensive front, with the compliment of a top five edge player of all time in Von Miller, with a compliment of Leonard Floyd, who got 16 fucking sacks last year with other dudes on that defensive line. So it kind of sucked because like he was a dude that could speak on it from knowledge and wisdom that, hey, this can't work, but he was under the illusion and rather fucking ignorant that um the Bills didn't have the fucking personnel. The Bills weren't walking out with the top three defensive player of all time, bro. They weren't walking out with that top five edge rusher of all time in Von Miller. He had a fucking torn ACL. I, you heard it all last week. I don't have to say it again. They were fourth in pass rush win, win rate before Von Miller, 27th after him. And what the fuck did that show yesterday? That exact same shit. Look, guys, it's easy to just indulge on stats and base everything off just the numbers. Eye test is the most important thing. Fortunately, most stats clear the eye test, objectively, for the common person. That fucking 27th ranked pass rush win rate sure as fuck cleared the eye test. That Bill's pass rush has been lackluster, period. And you saw it. So, I told y'all, and I'm... and. I have faith that you guys listened to me. You heard what I said. And I think y'all know, you know, whether you're in the Twitter spaces or not, where I heavily interact in there, you hear my point, you hear a lot of really knowledgeable Bengals fans in there. Um, I have no problem dissecting the insufficiencies of this team. I can do it. I'm not shy. I'm not ignorant. I'm not egotistical. I'm not arrogant either. I'm not one-sided, man. We can dissect our weaknesses. And if it was a legit weakness that was completely debilitating and was going to lead to our demise, I would have addressed it. That, hey, this can clearly lead to our demise. It was never there for this fucking game. And it showed. So to the media, fuck you. Guys, they're going to try to perpetuate this shit again in the Chiefs game. Get ready, okay? Listen to people like me that will guide you. I see through the tea leaves. I see through that bullshit. I know more than these these fucking media people do about this team. Why? Because I dedicate my all day every day to this fucking team, man. So I'm saying this out of a place of who I've built myself to be over a lot of time. Listen to people like me and people way more knowledgeable than I am about this team and the game. Listen to those people. Listen to Zim. Listen to my homie game on. Listen to amazing people. Shout out to you guys. You know, it's like, don't fall into the media narrative. No matter how little you may or how much you may, don't fall into it. It was a sensitive time last week going against the media darlings, everybody who they wanted to win. Guys, we talked about it. We image, we imagined it already. When the NFL did this shit, they laid out that rule. What did I say and what did you embody? This is going to be the greatest fucking Super Bowl run in the history of football. This is unprecedented times, my people. It has never happened in the Super Bowl era, at least, where the NFL showed its fucking hand that we do not support you. We support the Bills. We support the Chiefs. We're going to give the Ravens the special treatment. 
Not you. It's never fucking happened. But they showed their fucking hand. They showed that, hey, the Bills, you're going to have the clear path if you want it. Here you go. Here's your silver platter. Chiefs, here's your silver platter. Sorry sorry for maybe the short end of the stick on one part. I get, you know, where the Chiefs may have been upset. They may have felt shorthanded. But just like Zach said last last night, talking his fucking shit, man. He said, I'm sorry, NFL. Oh, I'm so sorry. I ruined your plans. All the rules you had to change. You had to change all those rules for the Bills again. Oh, I'm so sorry. You had to go through all that hassle for the for the logistics of selling those tickets, navigating the fans, making the offers, everything you needed to do just for us to fucking ruin it. I'm so sorry. Fuck you. At NFL. Fuck you. You don't support us. We're not for you. Yeah, we're involved in your league, but we're a separate fucking entity. We're some fucking savages around here. We're going to Michael Myers you. Just like we did the fucking Bills. We packed them the fuck up. And I'm sure you're turned the fuck up right now. As you should. Because we did that shit. Joe Burrow is 5-1 and one in the fucking playoffs. Zach Taylor is 5-1 and one in the fucking playoffs. Zach Taylor in his first two years as a head coach for the Bengals was 6-25-1. and one. In six days, he's going to win as many fucking playoff games the next two years. As he won regular season games in his first two seasons. How about that for a turnaround? How about that? We're going to win a fucking bowl, guys. I can't promise. I can't predict the future that it will be this year. But we know it's coming. We know. I've tried to plan it in your minds. Just for empowerment in your thinking of what a Super Bowl ring will look like. Let's just go down. Let's imagine real quick with me. Let's embody what this can be for this team. You win that bowl. You're hoisting that Lombardi trophy. You're seeing Joe Burrow hold that bitch. And look at it. There's tears coming down his eyes. There's tears coming down Mike Brown's eyes. And Zach Taylor's eyes. Knowing we fucking did it. We did it for this city. You see the orange and black confetti. You see the family come out. You see the family celebrating. You see the wives kissing the players. Crying, hugging them, how fucking proud they are. We did it. We did it for this city. We did it for Mike Brown, the pioneer of this fucking league. One of the most legendary people to ever grace the NFL. Paul Brown, we did it for him. Mike Brown, before he takes his last dying breath, we're going to give him a fucking ring. Maybe the negative connotation that was around him for long, for a long time was warranted. But it's changed. And because he chose to change, however hard that was for him, he reaped the rewards. And we, we're coming back. And whoever's in Cincy, no matter how the hell you get here, whether you live here or not, or you do fucking live here like I do, you're walking through that city. Orange and black everywhere you look. The confetti's popping. The fucking the balloons, the big old whatever the fuck you call them, are floating. Yeah, the floats floating down fucking Race Street. The main drags near Paycor, near the fucking Dora, near everything. If y'all have been to Cincinnati, you know what I'm talking about. Embodying that shit. The players are on the mics talking about how grateful they are for this team. And we look at that Lombardi trophy. And Joe Burrow telling us this is not the first one. This is not the only one. 
you're going to get for Cincinnati from me. And Joe Burrow, what are those conversations going to look like? That holy shit. Joe Burrow in his first two seasons with the fucking Bengals, a bottom dweller of the NFL, the epitome of mediocrity. I don't mean a bottom dweller as in you didn't win because ironically we won games. We have been to the playoffs the fourth most of any team since the fucking 2000s started. The fourth most of any team eight times since the turn of the millennial. The Bengals have been to the NFL playoffs, but we have came short, so we continue to loathe in the fucking mediocrity of bottom dweller franchise, disrespected, discounted, belittled, any anything of the fucking imagination. Joe Burrow turned the script in his first two seasons, going to a fucking Super Bowl in his first two healthy seasons, and winning the chip. Patrick Mahomes gets praised hella. Look, he's going to be one of the greatest. But what are they going to say after Joe Burrow has a fucking Super Bowl ring? Oh, it's going to be so fucking pretty. Hey, y'all going to see the pictures of Joe being out in the summer? You know, maybe on a on a weekday before a game, upcoming in the 2023 seasons, and we get those rings? That bitch going to be so pretty. It's going to be so fucking pretty. It's going to be glistening. Those big old nuggets, those fucking rocks on that ring. Going to be orange and black. Going to have that beautiful fucking Lombardi trophy embroidered on it. And that Lombardi's going to be hoisted inside of that fucking, that facility forever. That's who we are, guys. That's who we're going to be. Like I said, that doesn't mean an inevitable victory. I can't promise you the future, but I'm going to tell you this. I had peace about this fucking game, this Bills game, and I got peace about this Chiefs game. We'll see. We got to bring our A game. But that's to be talked about for the Wednesday episode and, of course, Friday with my homie Drake. Y'all seeing the vision now? You got to build this shit in your mind, man, to be great. We are embodying what it is to be great, not just to get by like we used to. I mean, that dominance is not normal. It's not fucking normal. We're a great team, guys. And I'm going to go in more in depth about this shit right now. Let's talk about some of these takeaways. You dominated in the trenches, man. I think I did start talking about that, actually. Then I got carried away talking about, you know, embodying a fucking Super Bowl ring. Uh, Yeah. Look, we flat out dominated. I mean, that was the second best run performance I've seen this year from Joe Mixon. I mean, it, it was dominant, man. Eight yards, seven yards, five yards. There were a few, you know, that ended up, you know, for one, you know, zero yard gains. But that happens, man. I mean, near the that second half, man, he got whatever the fuck he wanted. It was working. Man, we run these tackle pool concepts, and I fucking love them. Like, I don't know how much we ran them with LaL. And I think the reason why is because we knew LaL couldn't move laterally quick anymore. Because he's not the same dude. But with Hakeem, we know that he's just a quicker dude. So we're more confident to run that shit. And it fucking works, man. That backside tackle pool concept, it is fire. Jackson Carmen. Oh my gosh. You know what? I'll just start mentioning it now. I already did preface it a moment ago. And it's important for everybody. So I'm going to say it again because it's important. Let's not become... You know, let's not get intertwined in the gust of the wind here 
But with what I have seen from Jonah Williams and what I have seen from Jackson Carmen, what I've observed a lot of of Jonah in his time here, I have not seen upside like this, man. It Jonah's done it before to where he's he's done what Jackson's done, but it's not much, man. Jackson looks so confident out there. He looks so comfortable in space. I mean, he's got really good lateral movement. He's not perfect. I'm not saying Jackson's some fucking top 10 left tackle. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the landscape, holy fuck. No, I did not see this coming. And I think a lot of people didn't. And I'm glad I'm eating crow. I'm so glad I've been proved wrong that Jackson was a bust for this team. At the position that he was playing at, it was completely the concept of fitting a fucking square peg into a circular hole. It was. That's why it turned out so bad. He's going to start next week. Whether I I think he's going to start next week. Whether Jonah's ready or not. I think he will. Look. I don't. I don't know if I'd say. Overall. He's better than Jonah right now. Because of course you got the veteran experience from Jonah. He's a veteran now. At this point. But you don't have the physical ability. Like Carmen has. If you're Jonah. You don't have it. But also if you're Jackson. You don't have the mental acuity. Like Jonah. But then again, after a while, hey, there's Bobby Hart's of the world. You got all the mental acuity you need. You, there there are the Quentin Spains of the world. You got the mental acuity you need. Not to diss on Quentin Spain because he did produce pretty well physically for a while last year. Not like Bobby Hart, but Bobby Hart's kind of the epitome. The dichotomy of mental ability, physical ability. Uh, the discrepancy was fucking massive. We all knew that. That dude was a dog mentally, but he was a fucking... A fucking turd from a dog when he played. Jackson obviously ain't that, but he ain't got the mental acuity of Jonah. So when you are, you know, in some, you know, the the game this weekend, the championship game, then you go to the Super Bowl. I don't know what that entails if you're going to start Carm or um, Jonah or not. But Jonah allowed fucking not 14 sacks this year. That's the most of any tackle in the league. You know what I'm saying? So I think you're starting to catch on to the concept of how valuable is that mental acuity when you're just flat out fucking losing. You know what I'm saying? So it's something important to to recognize. Carmen was fucking dominant at times yesterday. He was not perfect. Look, he had some boneheaded plays. Like one play he had, shout out to my homie uh, Parker um, Parker on Twitter. If y'all don't follow him, um, fuck, I think it's Blake Parker or Parker Blake. Fuck, I, I got to see his name. And uh, I, I've been posting some of his stuff on Twitter. Look, he's a great follow. He's an O-line um, analyst type of dude. He's just a passionate Bengals fan that knows a fuck ton about offensive line. That's his niche. Um, he focuses on it exclusively. It's great stuff. He was a former O-lineman. And he's re- it's really cool. He's got like his own grading system. Um, and he dissected a lot of things from Carmen's game already on this Monday even. And um, one of the plays that were bad was Jonah ended up working on Ed Oliver, and Ed Oliver got a bit of a bull rush on him, but Jonah ended up trapping him, snatch trapping him. Remember, uh, a snatch trap concept is you know where you're able to get good leverage on the pads, and then you pull the guy down when he tries to overextend on the rush. 
So the guy's leaning into the tackle, and then the tackle plays into his hands and pushes him down with his back into, you know, onto his stomach on the ground. Lael was amazing at that. Jackson tried to do that yesterday, but he fucking threw Ed Oliver into Joe's ankles. Like, you can't throw him inside leverage into fucking Joe in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of the boneheaded thing. It's like, you know, you're trying to do your job and get the dude to the ground and finish the job, but you can't simultaneously finish the job and potentially finish your fucking quarterback because you're not thinking. So, things like that. But, man, I mean, you saw, y'all saw my story. Y'all saw my story. Shout out to the dudes that, you know, captured those from the All 22 clips. Carmen straight up throwing Terrell Edmonds. Tremaine Evans, I'm sorry, into the sideline. Look, I know he's a backer. Jonah ain't doing that much. Not saying it never happens, because he has. There's just a lot of excitement there, guys. A lot of fucking excitement. So, that was the biggest thing. So, I think it deserved the most attention talking about it. Um, I'm glad you guys understand now where I was coming from. Was I was um, whistleblowing. Because I saw both sides that the media was lying. And the guys, dumb as hell, like Eric Weddle, lying flat out, saying we had no chance because of the O-line. That was the answer for you. It resulted in dominance. Joe's only sack on him was after he held the ball for four seconds and he was bobbling through the pocket and nearly got to the line of scrimmage and just went down on a coverage sack for Matt Milano. We'll give it to him. Uh, defensive line, though. Look, it <clears throat> not not that the opponent's opinion matters a ton to me because I know what this team gives, but I think it's important to hear what the opponent has to say. I've been talking to multiple Bills fans today, and all of them understand where Bengals fans were informing them on coming into the game, which was, yes, we are not good with getting the quarterback down. Guys, we're bottom five in the league in sacks this year. It's pretty bad. Like that, it's it's unacceptable. It is. Like any way you want to put it, Here's why the quote-unquote any way you want to put it matters, though. We're top five in the league of pressures. Remember how uncomfortable Josh Allen was yesterday, yo? That motherfucker was moving up in the pocket everywhere. He had to. What we were doing is we were getting after him, bro. He had so many quarterback hits. That motherfucker was escaping so much fucking shit, bro. It was making me so mad. Y'all saw my tweets, y'all saw my posts on my stories. I kept saying it. Stop trying to tackle this 260-pound motherfucker that is 6'5", 6'6", on his fucking shoulders, man. Football 101. We kept trying to do that to him. I get it spur of the moment. You may not be as athletic to get him. That's why he is who he is. Josh Allen, he's elite in many ways. But man, we were doing shit wrong trying to tackle him so high. But we kept getting to him, man. And of course... I said the epitome of all season. The eye test supports it and the stats prove it. You get you wreck a lot of havoc pressure-wise. You get these quarterbacks uncomfortable, but you haven't been able to get to the ground. We sacked Josh what, one time? Once? But man, you made him so uncomfortable. Like we were getting pressure up on the interior. That run game was shut the fuck down. 63 total yards in the run game. 63. Their running backs had like 35 fucking yards, yo. It was crazy. Embarrassing. Dominant. Dominant. We told them coming in. They were super confident, high-flying. They did have really good production on their run game this year. But we knew what it was predicated off of. The threat of their pass game, going deep, 
and Josh Allen's legs, opening it up conceptually against defenses to run up the gut. Thus, they had really good production. So you got to respect the numbers they had coming in. But we warned them. Yo, like the second time we saw Nick Chubb this year and when we saw Derrick Henry, we held him to a combined 69 rushing yards. Those are top three dudes in the NFL rushing number-wise. We know who they are. We warned them. We warned them. This is what makes this team so great, guys. We are the same team every fucking week. No, it's not perfect. But when you look at the landscape of the NFL, it's amongst the best. It's amongst the fucking best. Consistency is not normal. And it's got it's to die as a normal thing, for real. Now, I'm not saying it's not attainable, but I'm tired of people saying, you know, oh, you know, just got to be consistent as if it's like something that can be acquired just by looking to your left. Like, oh, I'm so consistent every week. It's hard as fuck in this league, man. And in anything in life, like there's so many things that are going against you and it's exemplified in this league to the highest degree. You hear it all the time. We just need consistency. It's hard to get to, man. You know who's consistent? You know who the fuck's consistent, guys? These final four teams, bro. Those are the only teams for real that are consistent. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's in your face. So it's not normal. Not every team has a Patrick Mahomes. The elite offensive line. And a good Jalen Hurt for the Eagles. You know, an elite team all around. In many spots, like the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. And of course, the Bengals being elite almost everywhere with elite staff and the best quarterback in football. It ain't normal. Look, the defense played phenomenal. I mean, I already said it. The Bills team averaged 30-something points. I think 34 points in the past five games they've averaged, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 32. I'd have to see. But I remember hearing a Bills fan say it uh, earlier today. So a lot of points. And you hold them to 10. 10 points. 10 fucking points. Dominus, man. Look. <laughs> Luana Rumo has confused the fuck out of Bill Belichick for a while. Not the whole game because of well, he's Bill, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Tom Brady. That's the best you're going to get in this league. I mean, it doesn't get much more premier than that. To defeat those guys, to be 6-0 and against those guys in every single game is led by the dominance of Lou and Arumo? And, of course, the personnel. Because you can have a phenomenal guy to call plays, but if you ain't got the personnel, the dogs, I mean, we saw it with Lou the first two years. He had good schemes. But we had fucking bums playing out there, bro. We had bums. You don't have personnel. And that was the epitome of the Bills this game. They did not have the personnel, the horses, to keep up in key spots like the secondary But bringing it back with Lou, he was dominant, man. He was dominant. He put the guys in positions to win. And when they were called upon to make plays, because like I said, you can only scheme up so well. 
You got to execute out there as a player. They fucking did, man. They did. Eli Apple with a pivotal fucking uh, seven minutes left in the game. PBU in the end zone on the fourth and eight to Gabe, uh, Gabe Davis, I think. Then CTB. Again, uh, maybe I'm getting my downs confused. Another fourth and eight. Some shit like that. Fourth down. Key play. CTB gets the pick, man. To end the game with a minute and a half left. First pick of his career. It's been close. It finally came, man. So great for him. Um, And, of course, how can I go any further? I can't believe I've talked this long without dissecting Joe Burrow. I mean, he's the best quarterback in football. Um, I want to give credit to Dan Orlovsky because he said it greatly. It's hard to explain, but it's it's easy to when you see it. Joe Burrow quarterbacks better than anybody in this league. Patrick Mahomes is the best player at quarterback. And I think you know what I mean. And, of course, I don't even have to go down the whole thing with the physical abilities. We all know it. And that's not to say that Joe is short of a lot of those either. We know that. Joe is a fucking machine. Joe will go down as one of the greatest winners of all time. Joe Burrow will go down as one of the greatest winners that we have ever seen. It's just... He's just a machine. It's it's like a computer. There is no... In the moment when emotions can completely erode someone's body, their mind, their emotions, everything. He doesn't become indulged on those things. He does not become encapsulated on them. He overcomes them. All of them. Every single time. When it matters most. He is able to form an empowering perspective. And keep his focus to be great. And it's an amazing fucking thing. It's an amazing thing. So yeah, of course he played phenomenal. Starting 9 for 9, 106 yards, I think, and two tutties to start the game yesterday. I mean, he was as hot as he ever was. And he was on the same fucking heater to start the previous Monday night game. You know, on the 4 for 4, 67 yards and a tutty. So if you want to combine both, I think I made a tweet about it. This dude was 13 for 13 to start the game, 167 yards, or 172 yards, three tutties. Of course, no turnovers. No turnover-worthy plays, even. Actually, maybe it was a turnover-worthy play with the one on Boogie Bastion to where he just, like, completely jumped the route and, like, hit him in the fucking helmet. You know, when he was a defensive end and he wasn't ready for it. I don't know. But he he played amazing. Of course, he outdueled Josh Allen completely. And um, that's Joe, man. He's the best quarterback in football. I've been saying it. And... um I think it'll be cemented after this game against the Chiefs. But we'll talk about that later. Let's just enjoy this win, man. Focus on this win right now. Um, look, Zach and Brian are awesome. 
They called a phenomenal, phenomenal game yesterday. Getting creative. And they are leveraging their situations better than they ever had. Like I made, like I uh, went in on a bit with the tackles. We got more athletic tackles right now. I've told y'all all year, and I think you understand. Our, our O-line is not athletic like a lot of other O-lines around the league. So that's why we performed better in a gap scheme, which is simply put, if you don't know what that is, it's work closer to the ball in the middle of the field because it, the less space you have to work with, the easier it is to focus on your technicalities. When you're more in open space, it's harder to focus on your technicalities because that requires more athleticism, something these guys did not have. But ironically, your backups have more athleticism than your starters. Hakeem's more athletic than L right now because he's not the same. Jonah has never been that athletic. Jackson Carmen is. He's a freak athlete. And you see it. They're starting to run formations that you could not run with Jonah and L. Like I talked about, I love the tackle pool concept, the backside tackle pool. I love it. I fucking love it. And it's worked so well every time. Zach's calling that shit out. That is understanding your situation and executing on it. Something Zach has learned through. A lot of the growing pains we had last year. We all remember, quote unquote, let Joe cook, let Joe cook. The 49ers game, you know, where we saw Joe be magical and Zach took it out of his fucking hands. He's learned from that. And he's even exemplified it even more with putting Jamar in the backfield yesterday. Getting him the football. Get him the football. Get your playmakers the football at whatever cost. Zach and Brian did that. Zach and Brian did that. It was amazing to see. And that's why we won. That's why we dominated. So kudos to them for calling a phenomenal fucking game. And we crushed them. We crushed them. So, um... Typically, I start with injuries, but fortunately, we have a um, optimism with injuries. So I didn't start off top with them um, like I typically do. There were no significant injuries I'm, I'm aware of from yesterday. Um, of course, with it being Monday night, injury reports don't come out yet. Oh, actually, no, no, no. It's important to say Trey Hendrickson left the game to get an x-ray. I don't know on what, though. They just said he left the game and he got x-rays on something. I don't know, ribs, whatever the fuck. But the x-rays came out okay. So Trey should be good. I don't know what happened though. So I'm sorry. I, I should have focused on that more. But I, it's been under the radar. So as I apologize, it's for reason of like I didn't see it. And that that is kind of weird. Now I'm thinking about it. It's been low-key. I kind of, you know, went off, you know, we didn't really notice. Um, So that's the status with Trey. He got the x-rays. They seem okay. Um, And I'm sure he's going to be out there. It's that time of year, man. And optimism looms for Jonah and Kappa. There's a chance this week for Kappa. But, um, man, that high-grade ankle sprain, it... It sucks. It's a tough thing to recover from quick, man. It's just a it's a bitch, man. Sprains are a fucking bitch. Yeah, I think it's a I, I feel like it's a thing that often gets overlooked because there's different grades of it. So like if you get a grade one, a mild one, it's kinda eh, eh whatever. Work through that shit, you'd be fine. But when you get up to that grade two, grade three, that's a bitch. And that's what he's got. So we'll see. 
But there's so much optimism with how these guys played. But those Bills guys ain't got no Chris Jones. But then again, they ain't got the consistent juice like the Bills got. This defensive line is the same as the Chiefs. But I'm really going to try to avoid the Chiefs right now just because of how great this dub was with the Bills. And um, that's pretty much it, guys. That's pretty much it. You know, dominance, dominance, dominance. Enjoy this, man. And uh, as soon as Tuesday begins, I'm turning my fucking head to the Chiefs, man. The Kansas shitty Queefs. The Chiefers. I actually, I don't dislike the Chiefs at all, man. I, I love Patrick Mahomes. I love his game. I love Travis Kelsey. But I fucking hate him when we're playing him. Because they're a bitch. And they're hard as fuck to go against. So, let's get it, my people. 5-1 and one of the playoffs. 2-0 and oh in this fucking stretch. We're back in the AFC Championship. Fluke? We all know the answer to that. Appreciate y'all. I'll get back to you on the Wednesday episode. Peace.